Hawks Hawks. Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Dave Wyman. Hey, you're listening to Hawks Live at the Snoqualmie Casino. Before I introduce my co-host here, tell you what we got going on the show tonight. We're going to get an opponent preview from Ray Fittipaldo from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And then also, we're going to talk to the professor, John Clayton, at 7.30. We'll have K.J. Wright on the phone at 7.45. And then we're going to go inside the film room, break down three of the bigger plays from the game. And then Taylor Jacobs is going to interview John Ursua, and they're going to play some sort of video game. I understand that went pretty well. Some. Paul Moyer and Michael Bumpus are joining me, ex-Seahawk defensive back Paul Moyer and coach and Michael Bumpus, mostly I'm going to introduce Bump as the head coach of the Monroe Bearcats. It yeah, is the congratulations, Bearcats, right? Bearcats. Yeah. Bearcats got a big win over uh, Eastlake. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Appreciate a little overtime win. The boys yeah. uh, sucked it up and relied on all that summer training, right? That's what we wanted to tap into. Yeah, that was awesome, man. Uh, hey, uh, so let's go through the game uh, last week. Paul, you hear us okay down yeah, there? Yeah, I you can all hear right? you. Okay, I, I good. couldn't hear me. There we go. Well, you don't want to hear I'm yourself, Paul. going to have to Paul. do what they call eat the mic. Ooh. There we go. All right. Let's talk about the game. Yeah, let's go. All right. Well, what was your takeaway? I know a lot of people disappointed. They were expecting that Cincinnati was going to be a team that was going to walk in here, and they were just going to roll over them. Uh, you know, they were favored, pretty heavily favored in this game. They got a win, 21-20. I thought... They didn't play their best, and that it was a good sign that they could get that. But I know there's some concern going into Pittsburgh, especially after. And I'm going to bring this up, Paul. People used to always say, oh, you don't want to play Pittsburgh after they got whooped like that. But you used to always say, I'd rather play a team that just got whooped than a team that did the whooping. Well, would you rather be on an eight-game winning streak or an eight-game losing streak? If you lost, you you lost for a reason. You're not playing well. or you Last last year we started out 0 and 2. Would you rather be 0 and 2? Would you rather be Pittsburgh who got their butts kicked by New England right now? Right. You know, we won the game. There are 15 teams that are have one win right now in the NFL cuz two teams tied. There are 17 teams uh so there's 15 teams that that have one win. We're one of them. We're in first place. We're in the NFC West. It's the only division that has not lost a game. So Look, there is no style points in the NFL. It is all about winning the football game. Do we play great? No. And, you know, Dave, and Bump, you know this. You're never as good or as bad as the film says or or that that game is. And I went back through it. We gave them 10 points. Um, You know, we we rough a punter after we had the, you know, got off on on third down. They end up going and kicking a field goal. Um, Right before the half, we misplayed the the big 55-yard touchdown to John Ross. We gave them 10 points and, you know, if you added up, probably 80-some yards. If we take those away, and I know you can't, you know, but, you know, they're in the mid-300s. We hold them to 10 points. You're feeling pretty good about it. And, you know, I thought Cincinnati did some really good things, you know, from a a scheme standpoint. Um, Mm -hmm. We did not play well. Just the the chemistry on our offensive line, which I thought after the second play when when Britt went down, and all of a sudden you had to move Posick from guard back to center, back to guard. It just there were some plays. It just the timing of it was bad. Um, Russell Wilson took a couple of sacks on first down. You can't take sacks on first down. He's got to know where the outlet is. So I think we cleaned that up, and I think this is a different era in that you're not going to know how good any team is 
until about the fourth game of the year. Yeah, because of the preseason the, the and the way they're not so playing them now. Yeah. The other thing is you're going up against new coaches. Zach Taylor, yeah. the head coach, and Anna Murrow. Uh, <laughs> he was, I, nice. When they hired their defensive coordinator, it was late because yeah. they, they offered that job to a bunch of people. I thought he did a really good job, so it's more unpredictable bump. Well, I mean, not only are you going up against a new head coach, you got 16 new coaches there. So typically when a guy is preparing for a team, I remember Bruce DeHaven, rest in peace. He used to pull up film of guys we're playing, say we're playing the Bills this week. He'll pull up film of the Jaguars. Like This is what this guy did when he was with the yeah. Jags. Yeah. So it's just so hard to predict what's going on. And I blame the rustiness, the slow start, just to the preseason. You know, it's a yeah. new age. Guys aren't going to get all the snaps that they used to get. And there's a lot of chemistry that goes on in the preseason. That's what I feel like. What was missing with that offensive line and with Russell being able to trust his receivers. He's throwing at guys that maybe he's only tossed 10 or 12 balls to in a game. So um, I saw resilience as well. The offense didn't start off hot. They fin- ended up finding a way to get it done. The defense didn't start off hot. They only gave up 20 points. That's why I tell people, relax. I'm glad you looked at the film. We look at the film. You look at 418 yards. You think Andy Dalton was just in control of that thing. This defense wants to keep the ball in front of them, and that's what they did. They hit on a couple plays where Kendricks got outflanked, and then Thompson tried to make a play, and just didn't happen. So yeah. two big plays really defined that game. But overall, I just love the resiliency of the offense defense. Yeah, and, you know, Chris Carson, the way they used him, I, first of all, I think he looks a lot more explosive this year, and we'll get to a, a running play of his when we go inside the film room. But um, he was the most targeted receiver. Seven targets, caught six of them, 35 touchdowns. Not a huge day for him, but he had two touchdowns, one receiving and, uh, and one rushing, 46 yards on the ground. And, you know, running game took a little while to, to get going. Uh, I would say, you know, my position group, the linebackers, played really well. Receivers bump. uh, DK Metcalf, I was very impressed by him. I did not expect that from him. Those were tightly contested passes that he caught, and uh, I thought he used his body really well. What did you see from him? I think DK had an opportunity to step up, and he did exactly that. The way they were playing Tyler Lockett, I mean, as soon as Tyler was crossing the field, there's a safety crashing down to disrupt whatever he's doing. We know Tyler makes his money going across the field. And also DK just making the tough plays. You know, that long ball down the sideline, that that trust ball up the middle of the field just shows that uh, training with Russell at UCLA and spending that extra time with him is really paying off. And I think that's going to do wonders for his confidence. His very first game, he breaks Steve Lawrence's record as the best rookie receiver yeah. um, to come out and perform. Uh, four catches, 89 yards, and he happens to wear Steve Lawrence's jersey going into the stadium. <laughs> How ironic is smart, that? Smart guy. Uh, I, I, he's a humble guy, too, and I, I just think paying that tribute – to Steve Largent is pretty awesome. And, you know, we had him in a meeting, in a production meeting, and he was talking about how, you know, wow, some of the stuff I've never seen, he's kind of in awe of, uh, of the pro game. But I, I really liked his attitude. I think your attitude means everything. And yep. with the recent uh, actions of a certain buffoon of a receiver in the NFL. <laughs> Who's that? Yeah, I don't even want to mention his <laughs> oh, name, Paul. But, you it's know, refreshing. They, yeah, it's always a receiver. Sorry, Bob. It it's is. Always it a is. We own, is I'll it? own it. I'll Come own on, Bob. You know, seriously. Okay, so I thought it's about this. It's world I for thought, wide receivers. Let me, let, me, let me put something behind this. This is what I think at least. Okay, over the past 10 years, the receiver has become one of the most marketable positions out in football. Usually it's the quarterback, but after that, the guy's making the flashy 
plays are the receivers. So now they're getting these influences from your agent, from your camp, from this company, this company, to take your helmet off, make sure you're noticed, do a little flash. So I think they're buying into that See, culture. Paul, he is a diva because he's blaming everybody else. No. He's not blaming. I said they're buying into it. No, they're no. buying into it. Then you, oh, see, you see a guy like Larry Fitz. You yeah. know, and, and he, oh, he's going to go. Man. Julio Jones, who's a superstar. Yep. I mean, he's humble. So, and I mean, it's, I'm sorry, millennials, man. You guys are just a, a special group. Yeah. And when you give millennials some shine, they're going to take all that shine. <laughs> and granted, Antonio Brown is about as old as me. Uh, he should know better, but yeah. he's all about his business. And unfortunately, yeah, we own it, man. Receivers divas all yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame because he's so gifted. And, yeah. and I, you know, he's, uh, it's a train wreck. Well, let me ask you about safeties, Paul, because there's been a lot of talk about that. I mean, you know, I at the time when I saw Tedrick Thompson mistime that jump, I was like, yeah, that's a that's a big mistake. It's one play though. You know, and I think there's been a lot of talk. I thought I thought both the safety struggled. You know, and I thought McDougal jumped some things and he missed a sack and you know, a couple of things. He's he's a lot better than that. I think Tedrick Thompson's a better safety than he played. But, you know, there's lots of talk about Delano Hill possibly marquise blair i mean there's still some competition there it seems like at safety there's still some things to be worked out yeah and i think pete alluded to that he said you know this is an open competition you know for tedrick god i watched him and and i don't know if it's confidence maybe it's confidence right now that he's lacking there was a slant play and in the way he chopped his feet and the angle he took made me think he, he didn't want to miss that tackle. He just didn't trust. I was looking at that going, what would I have done there? In, in my confidence days, I would have one-stepped that. I would either pick that off or blown the receiver up. He rounded it. He took an extra step. The guy went down. He, he kind of touched him down. And I, I looked at that, and I go, he's better now. I've seen him better than that, the way he breaks on the football. Um, that one play at the end of the half, yeah, to me, that's a technique thing. I, I truly, I'm one of those guys, I said, you never backpedal. You never backpedal when the ball's in the air. You, you turn and run or you're coming back forward. And so my thing is always open up because I can plant and come back very quickly and still go up to the highest point. You start backpedaling and all of a sudden the ball gets starts to drift on you, you have no ability to go up and make that play. It was a technique thing. It was a confidence play. It's one play. I'm okay. I can live with that mistake if it was the only mistake and he was playing with confidence. There yeah. are some things they're doing defensively. I had to go back over and over and over and go, I'm not sure what they're doing. And I don't mean like, oh, the coaches aren't coaching that. I'm not sure what they're actually doing. They were doing some quarters. They were dropping the safety down. They were running some zone blitzes. Uh, they they rushed five a lot of times, and again they were all dropping back, you know, with an umbrella or a shell behind it. Yeah. So it was really hard for me to go. What are they reading at that point? Um, and and I, that's always smart to do. You you don't want to point fingers because no, you don't know what their rules no way. are and things are like that. But I think, yeah. but Dave, to, to your question, I think Tedrick's going to be fine, but he better find a way to play with confidence, or this is a tough league to play in. Yeah, well, and that's you see that when you know what you're doing. I talked about it today with Chuck Knox, who to get and how to get him, and if you don't know who to get, sometimes you play tentatively. All right, coming up next, we'll dive into Seahawks Week Two opponent. We're going to hear from Ray Fittipaldo. He's from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks, Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Hey, you're listening to Hawks Live at the Snoqualmie Casino. Before I introduce my co-host here, I'll tell you what we got going on the show tonight. 
We're going to get an opponent preview from Ray Fittipaldo from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And then also, we're going to talk to the professor, John Clayton, at 7.30. We'll have K.J. Wright on the phone at 7.45. And then we're going to go inside the film room, break down three of the bigger plays from the game. And then Taylor Jacobs is going to interview John Ursua, and they're going to play some sort of video game. I understand that went pretty well. Paul Moyer and Michael Bumpus are joining me, ex-Seahawk defensive back Paul Moyer and coach, and Michael Bumpus. Mostly I'm going to introduce Bump as the head coach of the Monroe Bearcats. It yeah, is the congratulations, Bearcats, right? Those Bearcats. Yeah. Bearcats got a big win over uh, Eastlake. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Appreciate a little overtime win. The boys yeah. uh, sucked it up and relied on all that summer training, right? That's what we want them to tap into. Yeah, that was awesome, man. Uh, hey, uh, so let's go through the game uh, last week. Paul, you hear us okay down yeah, there? Yeah, I you can hear right? you. Okay, I, I good. couldn't hear me. There we go. Well, you don't want to hear I'm yourself, have to Paul. Do what they call eat the mic. Ooh. There we go. All right, let's talk about the game. Yeah, let's go. All right, wh- what was your takeaway? I know a lot of people disappointed. They were expecting that Cincinnati was going to be a team that was going to walk in here, and they were just going to roll over them. Uh, you know, they were favored, pretty heavily favored in this game. They got a win, 21-20. I thought they didn't play their best and that it was a good sign that they could get that. But I know there's some concern going into Pittsburgh, especially after. And I'm going to bring this up, Paul. People used to always say, oh, you don't want to play Pittsburgh after they got whooped like that. But you used to always say, I'd rather play a team that just got whooped than a team that did the whooping. Well, would you rather be on an eight-game winning streak or an eight-game losing streak? If you lost, you you lost for a reason. You're not playing well. Or you, you know, last last year we started out zero and two. Would you rather be zero and two? Would you rather be Pittsburgh, who got their butts kicked by New England right now? Right. You know, we won the game. There are 15 teams that are have one win right now in the NFL because two teams tied. There are 17 teams. Uh, so there's 15 teams that, that have one win. We're one of them. We're in first place. We're in the NFC West. It's the only division that has not lost a game. So, look, I, there's no style points in the NFL. It is all about winning the football game. Do we play great? No. And, you know, you're, Dave, you, and Bump, you know this. You're never as good or as bad as the film says right. or, or that, that game is. And I went back through it. We gave him 10 points. Um, you know, we, we rough a punter after we had the, you know, got off on, on third down. They end up going and kicking a field goal. Um, right before the half, we misplayed the, the big 55-yard touchdown to John Ross. We gave them 10 points and, you know, if you added up, probably 80-some yards. If we take those away, and I know you can't, you know, but, you know, they're in the mid-300s. We hold them to 10 points. You're feeling pretty good about it. And, you know, I thought Cincinnati did some really good things, you know, from a, a scheme standpoint. Um, we did not play well. J- just the, the chemistry on our offensive line, which I thought after the second play when J- when Britt went down, and all of a sudden you had to move Postick from guard back to center, back to guard. It just there were some plays. It just the timing of it was bad. Um, Russell Wilson took a couple of sacks on first down. You can't take sacks on first down. He's got to know where the outlet is. So I think we clean that up, and I think this is a different era in that you're not going to know how good any team is until about the fourth game of the year. Yeah, because of the preseason the, the and the pre-season way they're not so playing different. them now. Yeah. The other thing is you're going up against new coaches, Zach Taylor, yeah. the head coach, and Anna Murrow. Uh, <laughs> he was, I, nice. When they hired their defensive coordinator, it was late. 
Because they they offered that job to a bunch of people. I thought he did a really good job. So it's more unpredictable bump. Well, I mean, not only are you going up against a new head coach, you got 16 new coaches there. So typically when a guy is preparing for a team, I remember Bruce DeHaven, rest in peace, he used to pull up film of – Guys, we're playing, say we're playing the Bills this week. He'll pull a film of the Jaguars. Like, this is what this guy did when he was with the yeah, Jags. Yeah. So it's just so hard to predict what's going on. And I blame the rustiness, the slow start, just to the preseason. You know, it's a yeah. new age. Guys aren't going to get all the snaps that they used to get. And there's a lot of chemistry that goes on in the preseason. That's what I feel like what was missing with that offensive line and with Russell being able to trust his receivers. He's throwing the guys that maybe he's only tossed 10 or 12 balls to in a game. So um, I saw resilience as well. The offense didn't start off hot. They fin- ended up finding a way to get it done. The defense didn't start off hot. They only gave up 20 points. That's why I tell people, relax. I'm glad you looked at the film. We look at the film. You look at 418 yards. You think Andy Dalton was just in control of that thing. This defense wants to keep the ball in front of them, and that's what they did. They hit on a couple plays where Kendricks got outflanked, and then Thompson tried to make a play, and just didn't happen. So yeah. two big plays really defined that game. But overall, I just love the resiliency of the offensive defense. Yeah, and, you know, Chris Carson, the way they used him, I, first of all, I think he looks a lot more explosive this year, and we'll get to a, a running play of his when we go inside the film room. But um, he was the most targeted receiver. Seven targets, caught six of them, 35 touchdowns. Not a huge day for him, but he had two touchdowns, one receiving and, uh, and one rushing, 46 yards on the ground. And, you know, running game took a little while to, to get going. Uh, I would say, you know, my position group, the linebackers, played really well. <laughs> receivers bump uh dk metcalf i was very impressed by him i did not expect that from him those were tightly contested yeah. passes that he caught and uh, i thought he used his body really well what did you see from him i think dk had an opportunity to step up and he did exactly that the way they were playing tyler lockett i mean as soon as tyler was crossing the field there's a safety crashing down to disrupt whatever he's doing we know tyler makes his money going across the field and also dk just making the tough plays you know that long ball down the sideline that that trust ball up the middle of the field just shows that uh training with russell at ucla and spending that extra time with him is really paying off and i think that's going to do wonders for his confidence his very first game he breaks steve Larger's record as the best rookie receiver yeah. um, to come out and perform uh four catches 89 yards and he happens to wear steve Larger's jersey going into the stadium <laughs> how ironic smart, is that smart guy there. Uh, I, I, he's a humble guy too and i i just think paying that tribute to Steve Largent is pretty awesome. And, you know, we had him in a meeting, in a production meeting, and he was talking about how, you know, wow, some of the stuff I've never seen. He's kind of in awe of, uh, of the pro game. But I, I really liked his attitude. I think your attitude means everything. And with the recent uh, actions of a certain buffoon of a receiver in the NFL. <laughs> Who's that? Yeah, I don't even want to mention his <laughs> oh, name, Paul. But, you know, it's, refreshing. This, it's always a receiver. Sorry, Bob. It it's is. always it a is. receiver. We own it. I'll, I'll own it. I'll Come own on, Bob, you know, seriously. Okay, so I thought it's about this. It's diva world I for thought, wide receivers. Let me, let, me, let me put something behind this. This is what I think, at least. Okay, over the past 10 years, the receiver has become one of the most marketable positions out in football. Usually it's the quarterback, but after that, the guys making the flashy play are the receivers so now they're getting these influences from your agent from your camp from this company this company to take your helmet off make sure you're noticed do a little flash so i think they're buying into that See, culture Paul, he is a diva because he's blaming everybody else no. he's not blaming. i said they're buying into it <laughs> no, they're buying into it then you uh, see you see a guy like larry fitz 
you know, and, and oh, he's, he's good to go. Man. Julio Jones, who's a superstar. Yep. I mean, he's humble. So, and, I mean, it's, I'm sorry, millennials, man. You guys are just a, a special group. Yeah. And when you give millennials some shine, they're going to take all that shine. <laughs> and granted, Antonio Brown is about as old as me. Uh, he should know better, but yeah. he's all about his business. And unfortunately, yeah, we own it, man. Receivers divas all yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame because he's so gifted. And, yeah. and I, you know, he's, uh, it's a train wreck. Well, let me ask you about safeties, Paul, because there's been a lot of talk about that. I mean, you know, I at the time when I saw Tedrick Thompson mistime that jump, I was like, yeah, that's a that's a big mistake. It's one play though. You know, and I think there's been a lot of talk. I thought I thought both the safety struggled. You know, and I thought McDougal jumped some things and he missed a sack and you know, a couple of things. He's he's a lot better than that. I think Tedrick Thompson's a better safety than he played. But, you know, there's lots of talk about Delano Hill, possibly, Marquise Blair. I mean, there's still some competition there. It seems like at safety there's still some things to be worked out. Yeah, and I think Pete alluded to that. He said, you know, this is an open competition. You know, for Tedrick, God, I I watched him and and I don't know if it's confidence. Maybe it's confidence right now that he's lacking. There was a slant play, and the way he chopped his feet and the angle he took made me think – he, he didn't want to miss that tackle. He just didn't trust. I was looking at that going, what would I have done there? In, in my confidence days, I would have one-stepped that. I would either pick that off or blown the receiver up. He rounded it. He took an extra step. The guy went down. He, he kind of touched him down. And I, I looked at that, and I go, he's better now. I've seen him better than that, the way he breaks on the football. Um, that one play at the end of the half, yeah, to me, that's a technique thing. I, I truly, I'm one of those guys, I said, you never backpedal. You never backpedal when the ball's in the air. You, you turn and run or you're coming back forward. And so my thing is always open up because I can plant and come back very quickly and still go up to the highest point. You start backpedaling and all of a sudden the ball gets starts to drift on you, you have no ability to go up and make that play. It was a technique thing. It was a confidence play. It's one play. I'm okay. I can live with that mistake if it was the only mistake and he was playing with confidence. There are some things they're doing defensively. I had to go back over and over and over and go, I'm not sure what they're doing. And I don't mean like, oh, the coaches aren't coaching that. I'm not sure what they're actually doing. They were doing some quarters. They were dropping the safety down. They were running some zone blitzes. Uh, they they rushed five a lot of times, and again they were all dropping back, you know, with an umbrella or a shell behind it. Yeah. So it was really hard for me to go. What are they reading at that point? Um, and and I, that's always smart to do. You you don't want to point fingers because no, you don't know what their rules no way. are and things are like that. I but, think, yeah. but Dave, to, to your question, I think Tedrick's going to be fine, but he better find a way to play with confidence, or this is a tough league to play in. Yeah, well, and that's you see that when you know what you're doing. I talked about it today with Chuck Knox, who to get and how to get him, and if you don't know who to get, sometimes you play tentatively. All right, coming up next, we'll dive into Seahawks Week Two opponent. We're going to hear from Ray Fittipaldo. He's from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, you're listening to Hawks Live. We're at the Snoqualmie Casino. Show starts every Thursday at 7 o'clock right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, and now we're joined by the Professor. John, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, give us a little injury update. I know that there's been a lot of kind of surprising things. I know Tyler Lockett was on the injury, but what are your expectations for who can play 
who can't, because I know there's a couple of names, especially for me anyway, Ziggy Ansa and Mike Upati. Let's start with those two. What do you think the yeah, probability is? It looks good is? for both because really they're not uh, pretty much on the injury list for the most part. I mean, they practice pretty much today, so I think both have a chance. Obviously, Upati will play a little bit more than Ansa because Ansa hasn't played at all. And really, uh, Upati hasn't played much either, but I think you're yeah. going to see a little bit more of Upati than you will Ansa. Uh, looks like Tyler Lockett went from... Uh, did not practice on Wednesday to limited. That's got to be a positive. The two guys that I think you can pretty well count out are going to be Joey Hunt. You know, he's got that high ankle sprain, so he's not going to be able to go. And uh, you got Nico Thorpe, who has the hamstring injury. It's questionable right now as far as uh, Tedrick Thompson. He has a hamstring, but I think the thought was if he's ready to go, I think you're going to see Lano Hill out there. Um, you know, you, you look and you see overall, uh, it's not too bad. I mean, David Moore was limited, so he might be available, but probably not. Ugo Amati, if he plays, it's going to be just, I think, in a limited special teams role because he's got the shoulder that's not too good. That's why Leno Hill is going to likely start, along right. with the fact that uh, Ugo was uh, pretty banged up. But overall, the injury list came out a little bit better today than the six that did not practice on Wednesday. Leno Hill, I couldn't be more excited to see a guy play just because i haven't really seen that much from him mm-hmm. and pete talks about him a lot man oh. and i i think it's meaningful i mean obviously pete knows what he's looking at lano hill i can't wait to see this guy play man yeah, and I think what you can see, there's going to be a transition over the course of the season. I mean, it's going to start with Tedrick Thompson almost by default. I mean, Tedrick started a lot of games last year, but Leno beat him out toward the end, and they seem to come out liking Leno better than Tedrick. But uh, ultimately, it's going to be Marquise Blair. But Marquise Blair, with the time that he's missed with injuries, the hamstring, and everything else, I think that's put him even behind, uh, which is hard to say, it puts him behind Hill because Hill, I mean, he did nothing in the preseason. And I'm talking about, as he told me, he was in such pain for like three months with the hip surgery, he was literally laying in bed for about three months. And so he had to get his weight back, which he has. He's been able to come back. And even though it's a little bit maybe a little early, I think that's why he's got a chance to start. But I think, you know, they feel really good about him. Yeah, I think it's uh, interesting. I, th- I think we got a lot of strong safeties and and a couple of maybe free safeties that, that they got to work through. But Hey, John, you uh, you came from Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, talk about, you know, we win 21-20, and it's it's like a death here. Um, they lose 33-3. to what, what is, Just put it in context. Their fans losing 33-3. to We win 21-20. I, I, are, they, uh, are they about to jump off the bandwagon in, in Pittsburgh? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, uh, they're at the stage where... Uh, they want Mike Tomlin fired. They're upset with Ben Roethlisberger. They think the defense stinks. I mean, they're they're really critical because they've had high expectations and high results for so many years. And so, uh, you know, seeing this, and particularly with the way that the season ended last year, because what they're sitting like about six and two, they end up going nine six and one. They didn't make the playoffs. And in Pittsburgh, if you don't make the playoffs, you haven't met the standard. And so, by not meeting the standard and starting out with a thirty point loss in New England. You know, the fans are really riled up. I mean, you should have heard all last year how they felt about Le'Veon Bell and how much, if you know, they, they didn't even want him back. And, of course, they didn't get him back. But, you know, when things don't go good with the football team, they can really be tough on the team, the individuals, the coach, you name it. Hey, John, I want to talk about the Bengals coming in 
The Hawks were nine-point favorites. Uh, they have a new head coach, and Zach Taylor and Andy Dalton's getting going. Um, has their stock risen? Even though they lost this game, I think everyone expected a big blowout. What is the perception of the Bengals in the NFL right now? I think they had uh, you know, as good of a review of anybody you can see on Sunday because look at what you saw individually. Zach Taylor has been able to work with Andy Dalton and get him to the point where he's able to throw for 418 yards. That's got to be comparable to what uh, you saw with Sean McVay and Jerry at Goff after that horrible first year that Goff had with Jeff Fisher as head coach. That was positive. Then you can see, despite the problems that they had on the offensive line, because literally, I mean, they had only like about one starter back from last year, the right tackle, and he's not too good. You know, they blocked pretty well. Then on defense, Good scheming. I mean, that 5-2 scheme with five defensive linemen seemed to work pretty well. So I think they look so much better than anybody anticipated. And with the offense and maybe a little bit better defense. Now, you know, on the defense, they have two great defensive linemen, Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap. But, I mean, you saw Sam Hubbard have a career game. I thought their schemes in the secondary looked good. So, no, they, they were as uh, surprising, I think, as any team as you can imagine. All right, Professor, the Browns may be the most overhyped team we've seen in a long time. Maybe the Niners last year when they got Garoppolo, but they lose badly at home. Moyer, you like to say this. It's one thing when you lose on the road, but when you lose this bad at home, you got a problem. Now they're going on the road to the Jets, who blew a big lead at their also their home. I mean, these are maybe two of the... We'll see with the, the Browns. I know the Jets probably going to finish one of the, the worst teams in the mm-hmm. NFL, but uh, what do you think is the outcome of that game? you think the Browns turn it around? I think they will because the Jets are so messed up right now. Look what's happened to them in the last two, three days. You know, Sam Darnold has mono. He's going to be out past the bye week, so at the earliest he's going to be back in week five. They've got Le'Veon Bell getting a shoulder in, uh, injury that had him have an MRI. Their best receiver, Quincy Enumwa, he's out for the season with a neck injury. They lose C.J. Mosley, the $17 million linebacker, late in the game against the Bills. You know, And he's got a groin injury, hasn't practiced in two days. He may miss the game. Quincy Williams, uh, Quinnen Williams, he's got an ankle injury, and so he's all banged up. So this team right now is an absolute mess, and you've got a coach right now that uh, you know, wasn't happy with Darnold the way that he played. I mean, he was upset with the receivers, so he ends up trading for Demarius Thomas. I think right now the Jets are really vulnerable, and the Browns should be able to bounce back. Who gets mono? That's the kissing Sam disease, Darnold. right? Well, like a high school disease, right? Sam Darnold. Yeah. yeah, it's like a high school thing, right? Yeah, I never, I never got it, Dave. You probably got it multiple times because. <laughs> no, were, Paul. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, um, watching not a player. Watching this game tonight, uh, yeah. Carolina and Tampa Bay, and I, I watched Tampa Bay in the preseason. They were awful last week. Awful. Mm-hmm. You watch Carolina, you know, against the Rams. You're thinking, okay, pretty good team, and now they're struggling. Uh, tonight, uh, just a take on Cam Newton. He, he got a little testy in, in his uh, press conference about you know whether he was playing well, whether it was an injury. You know, just just your thoughts on Carolina and Cam Newton right now. Disappointing right now, and I think you can see there's something wrong with Cam Newton. I don't think it has to do with the shoulder. I mean, he said some of the throws that he's missing right now are because of some leg injuries that he had and kind of lingered through the preseason. You know, the shoulder. But you you look last week. I mean, here he was, and again, he put 27 points up in the Rams, which isn't bad. But he he was only able to get one throw over 20 yards. And you saw with the shoulder injury last year, this is past the Seahawks game. But I mean, he could not get the ball downfield. Field. And you know, here's the guy that's had two shoulder surgeries in about 
three years. Uh, you know, he's he's a running quarterback who likes to get beat up, and because he gets beat up, and then it kind of holds him back. I think there has to be serious concerns because you, know, you got. McCaffrey, who's you know, had 209 combined yards last year, I mean, and he's still running and catching the ball well, and you've got faster receivers and all these things, and he's not syncing up. That's got to be a concern because, I mean, this is a bad Tampa team. You can see the poor blocking on the offensive line, Jameis Winston throwing interception after interception. It hasn't done it tonight. So this is one where it's like if they lose to Tampa Bay, that's got to be a serious concern for Carolina. Speaking of Jameis Winston, how long do they allow him to play at this level? I know Blaine Gabbert is hurt. I think the number three is Ryan Griffin. Um, at any point, do you see them pulling the plug on Jameis or just kind of working with him because he's their best option? No, he's their only option, really, because until Gabbard gets back and healthy, uh, they, they really can't go down to Griffin. It's not like they had Ryan Fitzpatrick like last year and could go to him and go to him for a couple weeks. So they'll stay with him for the season. But if the season goes like I think they will, I mean, I use the line that it's like, okay, I'm using my uh, you know, commissioner voice in Roger Goodell saying, with the third pick in the NFL draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select and it'll be one of the top three quarterbacks from next. It'll probably be Justin uh, Herbert. So he's like, uh, in the end, this is this is a team right now that I think is almost ready to replace Jameis Winston. All right, Professor, I will see you in Pittsburgh. I know. Looking forward to it. Yeah. How many times you've been there? How many times? Zero. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. I, we uh, we had him on the schedule in '92. I got yep. hurt, and so didn't go there. And then all the other times, yeah, I've never been to Pittsburgh. I mean, when's the last time the Seahawks have been there? Uh, they were there in 2011. 11. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 2011, 2007. Cool yeah. stadium. That, I mean, I do like oh, yeah. the whole, you know, terrible towel thing or whatever they do. It's Professor's going to give everybody good. a guided tour. Hey, by the, by the way, Dave and Paul, hometown. you will be, it's unbelievable what they've done between the baseball stadium and the football stadium. In fact, I know yeah. I'm working on a story for the Washington Post on it. I mean, they have, they've got $500 million of investments and more coming. They've had top-line restaurants. They've got couple yeah. hotels that weren't there before and the other thing is because i used to walk from three river stadium across the bridge to go to work at the pittsburgh press i used to go through a junkyard to be able to do it <laughs> all right well sounds like they made lots of improvements there all right professor thanks we'll see you there thank you all right coming up next we'll talk to seahawks linebacker kj wright that's next right here on hawks live Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, it's Hawks Live, live from the Snoqualmie Casino. Show starts every Thursday at 7 o'clock right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. And now we have on the line, guy I've been dying to talk to this year, I haven't talked to him yet, KJ Wright, my man. How are you doing, KJ? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? Yeah, thanks for coming on with us. We really appreciate it. Doing great. Uh, you had a great game, man. I, I really, uh, your coverage on Tyler Eifert, Eifert, when they split him out, mm-hmm. was just solid as can be. Played really good in the run game. How are you feeling coming into this year, KJ? I'm feeling good, man. It's um, It feels good to really start off the season 1-0. It's been a while since we came out with a uh, you know, first game win. But it was fun out there going out there with the defense. First game, get those uh, jitters out the way, get back to tackling, and really gelling as a unit, so it was fun when I did with my guys again. I saw today there was an interview with Bobby Wagner, and people were talking about, because you were 90% uh, of the snaps, so was uh, Michael Kendricks, and Bobby was 100%, and uh, Bobby's like, I don't know why we're talking about taking DBs, uh, you know, taking linebackers off the field and putting <laughs> DBs out here. He said something about you guys being dope. 
something like that. But anyway, yeah, I thought it's awesome. I love seeing that, KJ, because, you know, I just feel like uh, linebackers are we're starting to disappear there for a while because, uh, you know, you got so much 11 personnel out there. You know what? It got ugly there for a while. They were putting DBs on the field, on a lot of dime personnel, putting <laughs> yeah. safeties where linebackers go. It's, the league started getting ugly there for a while. But um, I believe the Seahawks will bring football back and just, you know, just have the big guys out there just playing good football. And uh, we can do the same thing the safeties can do. KJ, you know, watching you guys last week and even in preseason, you know, you guys were doing some different type of blitzes, bringing safeties, nickels, you know, a lot of linebackers. You guys were doing some things that I hadn't seen you guys do before where, you you know, a lot of, you know, five man rushes, some zone. I don't know if you want to call it zone blitz, but I saw, you know, Puna Ford drop. dropping back. Yeah. And, and then there was a yeah. lot of things where you guys were just rushing five guys and, and kind of a shell defense behind it. Is the, are you guys running different things than you've had in the past? Yes, definitely. And it's um, we're just evolving as a unit. You know, I know so many people are used to seeing this drop back, rush four, cover three defense, but we're doing a lot of new stuff to get the quarterback off balance, blitzing more, being more on the attack. And um, I believe our personnel allows us to do that. And so it's been really fun, you know, in the preseason, OTAs in this first game. And I believe that in the season you're going to see more of it and it's going to be pretty good. Hey, KJ, this is probably the least the starters have played in the preseason since you've been there. Did you feel yeah. any effects of that, or did you just feel like, hey, we're ready to go, things are moving as usual? No, I thought it was pretty good. This has definitely been the least because I know, for me, I usually play in all the first three games for sure. But Pete decided to come back this year. We're becoming more of a you know veteran team, and I, I totally loved it. We practiced more in training camp than we usually did because usually the, the stars would do a lot in those the games that we didn't play, but it was fine. We got out there, tackled pretty well. My conditioning was good, and so I believe that the lack of preseason games didn't take a toll on us. Yeah, KJ, uh, you guys in the offseason, who, who am I hearing there in the background? Who's, who's your partner there? Who's my partner? Yeah, the dog there in the background. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm outside. I'm outside. My dog's barking at some of the neighbors across the street. <laughs> what, what kind of dog you got? I got uh, Kobe. He's a little small dog. He's a little happy knees. And my yeah. wife's dog is a miniature schnauzer. <laughs> okay, awesome. Hey, uh, run defense is what I was going to ask you about because I know that was a concern for you guys. I uh, uh, saw big Al Woods playing really well in there, yeah. Puna Ford. Yeah. And uh, talk about what that's about, you know, uh, about the commitment to stopping the run. You know, it's, it's about playing together, right? And talk about some of those conversations yeah. that you guys have had. It's about playing the unit. Um, I told Big Al today. It's funny. Big Al came up to me. He said, "If no O lineman touch you today, uh, can you buy my next meal?" And I was like, "You know what? I got you." And it's just fun, man. We just have guys that that want to take on that role to just take up blocks, play vertical in the backfield, and those guys just taking you know, you know, a lot of pride in that. And so we're playing as a unit. You see that having three linebackers on the field. I do believe that you will see that run, you know, our run defense improve. And so we all feel a good start. You no, know, since he didn't do it much, I do believe that the Steelers are going to come out and try to, you know, get uh, Connor going a little bit more this Sunday. Yeah, you know, I whenever I would see a, a nose guard like Joe Nash or Jacob Green grabbing an offensive lineman, not cheating, just you know, a little grab there, <laughs> I'd say that guy he drinks for free this week. <laughs> Definitely yeah, take care. Yeah, you, you got you got to take care of him. And Norton, it's funny. Norton was telling us that back in the day he used to buy his uh, D lineman cowboy boots. When um, <laughs> when they'll take care of them, so we always yeah. treat our guys at the end of the season. Yep. 
You guys do have a, a completely different front four. I mean, you got Clowney who comes in at the final minute. You know, I, I thought God, Quentin Jefferson did play awfully well. But what yeah. is that like? Uh, you know, it's tough. You guys don't have as many reps in preseason. You got a completely new front four. You know, obviously veteran linebackers. But what's that like for you guys, just from a communication standpoint? Well, I, I believe that as you obviously it's our first time out there together, and so the chemistry isn't. Where, it, where it's going to be towards the end of the season. And so it's going to be building. Every every day in practice, I get to know guys more, just get to know their families, find out their story, just really gel with guys. And so the the more we continue, the more we talk, the more we run games together, I believe that it'll be, you know, we can just communicate without even talking. Just how me and Bobby do, I believe me and Big Al can do that, or me and Clowney can do that. And so it's going to take some time, but it's, it's going to be fine. Hey, KJ, rightfully so, you and Bobby are, are the headliners on that second level of that linebacker core. What makes Michael Kendrick special? Let the people know what, what makes this guy work and, and fly around the way he does. I like Kendrick's man. He brings a whole big dynamic to, to this defense. He's a guy that played several years. This is eighth year. He's a guy that got a Super Bowl. And so he, he's, a, he's a savvy vet in this league as well. And he's still explosive, a guy that you can see you know, all over the place. And so we love playing with him as well. We, he came in and we just taught him how we do things. And he told us some things he learned in Philly. And so the relationship is really good on, 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 in the linebacker that, room. That guy turns a corner like nobody. Uh, Mike yeah. Kendricks, I was looking at, like, he has the best connection with the ground. Like, he, is, he can turn full speed. And, uh, yeah, you guys, I think you can say, and look, you're going to wait till the end of the year, I know. But this is the best front seven. In the NFL, and uh, you got to take a lot of pride in that, man. That's uh, yeah. that, that's got to be fun. Tell me about some of the younger guys, because I'll tell you what, Ben Burkirvan, uh and, and yeah. we've talked to Cody Barton too, but Ben Burkirvan, like he makes you and Bobby sound like saints, man. And I, I just love that, you know. <laughs> good how rookie, uns- good rookie. Yeah. yeah, he's a good rookie. That's right. No, but I mean, really, what you guys are doing for him is, is really awesome. Um, you know, just he says mm-hmm. he tries not to bug you guys too much, but just all the knowledge that he's soaked up from you guys. It's, I just think it's awesome that you spend time w- with the rookies. Yeah. But uh, but talk about that young group and uh, how, how you're bringing them along. Yeah, it's crazy because when these, when these two guys came in, I'm telling you, they were, they were already on it. They had learned a lot in rookie minicamp, and I just came in. It was kind of easy for me teaching them the playbook because they really had got it down pat. And um, you just saw how those guys did in the preseason, just making plays all over the field. Right now you saw... Cody, or not Cody, but um, BBK was a special teams player of the game. Tom forced that fumble. So I believe these guys will have outstanding careers. The more that they keep playing and develop, I believe they will be starters for a long time in this league. Well, Pittsburgh is not a beloved team here, and it goes back to 2005 when they uh, won a Super Bowl with uh, the yeah, Seahawks. Yeah. But t- talk about just this team. You're going into Heinz Field, top in Roethlisberger. You know, what, what kind of problems will they give you guys or, or potential problems? What, what can we expect for this mm-hmm. game? Well, we know that the Steelers traditionally have always been good. And I believe that whenever they got Big Ben, they have a great chance of winning. And so they go come out and try to – They go. It's, it's like you don't want to go 0-2. That, that's a bad way to start the season. So it's going to be a battle. And I know that they got good receivers with Juju. They throw it to uh, Vance McDonald a lot. They're tight ends. Connor, this is my first time ever watching him on film, and the guy is special. He's a guy that can run in between the tackles, can shake you, catch the ball out the backfield. And so this team is pretty good. So it won't be an easy win, and it's going to be a battle all the way down to the last few minutes, I believe. 
Well, we're looking forward to that, KJ. Hey, thanks for, for uh, spending the time with us. We really enjoy talking to you, man, and good luck the rest of the year. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate y'all. All right, KJ, there he goes, KJ Wright. Coming up next on Hawks Live, we'll have our own little conversation here, talking about Pittsburgh and some of the woes. Last time they were there, they were shut out. This is the last time the Seahawks were shut out. Was 2011. Another reason not to like him, Dave. Yeah, you're right. I'm glad you brought up the Super Bowl thing, too. We'll talk about that if there are still Seahawks fans still kind of weigh in on uh, their hatred for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll talk about all that stuff next for Paul Moyer, uh, Michael Bumpus. I'm Dave Wyman. We'll, uh, we'll be right back on Hawks Live.